0: oh my god yeah that's funny what is that guy doing
1: i don't know but he's suspect
0: sus as the kids say
1: he's sus
0: he's got weird riz
1: <laughs> he's got no riz
0: he is low-key sus riz
1: he's got sussy riz my <laughs> guy <laughs> what is oh dawson look there's your mom back to you bob Hello, and welcome to Back to You, Baba Dawson's Creek Podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 209, The Election, which originally aired on December 16th, 1998.
0: December 16th, so they took a three-week hiatus.
1: They did take a three-week hiatus, and then they don't air again until January. Only one episode aired in December. Isn't that odd?
0: The scheduling choices are wild. This would never happen now, but I'm glad that they did because this is a great episode.
1: It is top tier. Watch it. I would say this is one to watch if you're only watching a handful of episodes.
0: I know. We say that every week, but we really mean it. What are we drinking on this blessed day?
1: We are drinking El Presidente, which is two ounces of rum, three quarters of an ounce of Cointreau, three quarters of an ounce of dry vermouth, and an eighth of a teaspoon of grenadine, which... For me, I was like, I'm just going to put a splash in. I can't be bothered to measure out an eighth of a teaspoon.
0: Yeah, I'm not a grenadine person.
1: Too much, it's too sweet. I feel like it's really just for the color, which this is a beautiful color, I have to say. A golden beauty.
0: Now that we have our bevy, our Dawson's drink, I'm going to hop into the recap.
1: Tell us all about it.
0: So this episode opens in Dawson's bedroom, of course, where he is eagerly awaiting Jen's reaction to his new script. As you may remember from last week. He won some award money from a film festival, and he's going to use it towards his next movie, which is going to be a love story. When Jen finishes reading the script, she has notes. She has a lot of notes. She doesn't hate it, but she does think that since it's a show about teens and teen romance, it should say something about teenagers. And it doesn't. It feels like it's completely written from an adult perspective. There's nothing new about it. There's nothing fresh about it. It feels like fluff. It almost feels like Dawson hasn't lived the life of a teenager at all. But she offers to give him the full teenage experience to open his eyes and to give him some new vantage points from which to write. She wants to be his regression sponsor and suggests things they do together to spice things up, like skip school for the first time for Dawson, or shoplift something small like a candy bar or lipstick, but he tricks her on both things and he doesn't do either. Now Gail invites Mitch over to fix the dishwasher. But it results in a steamy moment when it splashes all over Mitch and he has to take his shirt off and they end up having sex. So Dawson sees the beginning of the sex and later asks Mitch about it. And Mitch says, you know, it doesn't mean anything. It was a slip up. We're sorry you had to see it. We didn't know you were there. And this kind of sends Dawson spiraling. And he takes Jen up on her offer to Show him the badder side of life. He leans into this devilish side and they toilet paper a house and they go skinny dipping. And it's this sensual skinny dipping scene in this moment. And we're kind of building off of last week's episode where he rescued her at that party. We're headed in the direction that Dawson and Jen are bonding. They're definitely getting closer. She asks him if he's ever dreamt about her. And he says that, yes, he has. And then he kisses her and she stops it and says that that's crossing a line. So they continue to bond and have fun. And later, when Gail is served with divorce papers from Mitch, Dawson turns to Jen and he ends up crying in her arms. And that is how the episode ends with them. When it comes to the rest of the cast, this week is student council elections. And Andy really wants to run for president, but she needs a running mate. So she asks Joey, who says absolutely not. She's not into politics. She has a horrible reputation. She's not into the smear campaign. But then she's working at her family restaurant when Abby Morgan and Chris Wolf walk in and they're running together and they completely rip into Joey and they rip into the restaurant. They call her trash. They call her family trash. And Joey ends up pouring a pitcher of water all over Abby and decides in that moment to join Andy's campaign as her running mate. So Chris and Abby do run a really nasty smear campaign and start attacking Joey. And Joey and Pacey really want to fight fire with fire, but Andy wants them to keep the course. They're not going to run a smear campaign. They're going to do this the right way, the way politics used to be. They're going to run a clean campaign. So then it comes time to debate in front of the entire class. This is where Abby Morgan exposes Andy's secrets about her mom and her mom's mental illness and the car accident that killed Andy's brother and how her mom was driving. And it's in front of everyone in the gym. And it's in front of the staff and the kids. And it's really awful. And Andy's crying and she's breaking down and she runs out. So this is the first time that anyone except Pacey is learning about this. Earlier in the episode, they reminded us of this because Joey asked Jack about his family, and he kept dodging the questions. And she noticed that he always dodges questions when she asks about his personal life or his family. So after this assembly, Jack lashes out at Joey, who's trying to comfort him. And Pacey, meanwhile, comforts Andy, but she seems really unhinged. And she's sobbing and rambling, and she ends up throwing a book against the mirror in the bathroom. And a few things are at play here now, because this has been building for a while. Andy pretends like things are fine, and she keeps up this facade, and she's been doing this pretty much since she was introduced. And Pacey has been worried about her for a while. So after this assembly, it's the night of, and Jack talks to Andy, and he says he's really worried about her. You know, her highs are really high. Her lows are really low. She's been very erratic lately. He tells Andy that he thinks that she needs to go back on her meds, revealing to us, the audience. That Andy also struggles with some of the mental health issues that we've seen her mom struggle with. So the next day, when it comes time to address the school over the PA system to give their final speeches, Andy can't do it. You know, the pressure gets to her. She runs out, leaving behind Abby and Pacey. So Pacey tricks Abby into insulting the school over the PA system without her knowing, which essentially means that they're out of the running. And the third duo that's up for election, Kenny Riesling and his friend, are going to win. So later, Joey and Jack make up. You know, she says they don't have to talk about anything he doesn't want to. They can just sit, and they can just be with each other. And Andy, meanwhile, goes back on her meds while she's on the phone, crying to Pacey and lying to him, saying that everything is fine and that she should feel better tomorrow. And that is episode 209, The Election.
1: Such a roller coaster.
0: Kind of dark. Very. Election drama.
1: The drama was hitting, and it was written by are writers from last episode. Really? Darren Goldberg and Shelley Meals. Yeah. We went through their credits extensively. So if you want to hear those, you can check back in with last episode. But they are writing partners. So, so far over the course of the series, we've encountered people sharing a script, but they're usually individual writers on the staff who write the script together. In this case, these two are writing partners who move from show to show together and write together kind of as a pair, which... A lot of people don't know. You, Micah, are part of a writing partnership. You have a writing partner.
0: I am. I am in a writing team. So basically the way this works is there's two of us. There are such thing as writing teams of three, although it is very rare. So what that basically means is he and I are a we're a writing team. We're we're seen as one entity. So when we're hired on the show, we are hired as one person. Uh, we are not allowed to be split up. If if there comes a point where half the staff is doing this week's episode, half the staff is doing next week's episode, we're not allowed to be split up. We are seen as one person in pretty much every way. And yeah, being in a writing team has its benefits, and it definitely has its cons. But, you know, being a solo writer also has its pros and cons. I would say the biggest thing, which actually was a huge issue this summer during the strike and the biggest con of being in a writing team. So in the guild, in any guild, you have to hit your minimum earnings to get your health insurance. And a writing team makes half the money that a solo writer makes. So it actually takes them twice as long, to, And it makes no sense. Why for a writing team, the minimum isn't just like cut in half or why aren't they given double the time? I don't know.
1: Oh, interesting. So you have to work twice as long as a solo writer in order to get your benefits.
0: Yeah. So the minimum, I believe, is $40,000 unless that changed recently with the new contract. Yeah. So you have to make $40,000, I believe, within a calendar year. But, you know, since a writing team... Is working as one person it'll take them twice as long to make that as a solo writer
1: that's very interesting that they didn't account for that in the (laughs) rules of the It
0: it makes no sense and that's why every year every three years when we're renewing our contract with the studios it comes up like writers teams should make like scale and a half or a salary and a half just to kind of offset some of that but it is good to have a writing partner i feel because I have someone who is just as invested in my career as I am. It's like a marriage, literally. <laughs> it's used the yeah. same skills, communication skills, you know, compromise, all of those things. And it feels good to know you have someone at work that you can like say anything to, and they're not going to repeat it, or someone you could trust 1,000% because they are you and you are them. Right. And just having someone to always show your work to. Someone to talk things out with, like talking things out is a big part of this job. That's the main thing you do in writer's rooms. You're just talking like, okay, well, Pacey did this last week. So like realistically, what this week would he be doing? So, you know, he's on his good guy journey. You know, last week he crammed for a study session and this week, you know, maybe he could help Andy with something at home, which was her mom. And then like this week, maybe he should like be her campaign manager, you know, just plotting things out, talking things through. Or they call it breaking story or blue skying. It's just good to have someone that you can always talk things through with. Or if you if you're writing something and you hit a bump, you're hitting a problem. You know, like I, Andy wouldn't do that. You know, you could talk about it with someone. Also, splitting the work. I mean, someone who if a script is 70 pages, you know, you do 35, you do 35, we split, or you do act ones through three, I'll do four through six, and then we'll switch off. We'll hand it over. We'll switch. So a lot of pros. I always feel good that I'm not alone because I think if I was a solo writer, like, especially through these weird times when we're not working or on strike, I would feel very isolated and lonely.
1: Yeah. And it's like, I know you guys, you worked through the entire strike together. Like you were keeping yourselves motivated and working on projects. And if I were sitting at home, I probably wouldn't find the motivation to do that.
0: Yeah. It's just good to have someone that you're going through the same thing with and someone who knows everything, all the details.
1: You guys are a regular Darren Goldberg and Shelly Meals.
0: I love it. Who directed this?
1: This episode was directed by Patrick Norris. He's a very acclaimed director. He did a lot of episodes of Parenthood and a lot of episodes of Friday Night Lights. I think he was obviously in that Jason Kadam's camp. His first directing break was on My So-Called Life. The thing that's interesting about him is... Before becoming a director, he was a costume designer, and he actually has two Emmys. He won two Emmys as a costume designer for the show 30-something, and then he moved on to be the costume designer for My So-Called Life, and that's how he ended up directing his first episode of television. And then he just went on from there and and directed. He worked on Party of Five, Bones, The O.C., Melrose Place, Friday Night Lights, Chuck, Gossip Girl, Parenthood. Just a ton of shows that we love. Most recently, he did an episode of Dickinson for Apple TV Plus, and he did two episodes of Dawson's this season, and he'll be back next season for one episode. Nice. Yeah. I always think it's cool when somebody moves from one aspect of filmmaking to another and succeed at both. So
0: yeah, I love that. Very cool. That's great.
1: Shall we do a guest cast shout out?
0: We shall. Who is it?
1: It is Colin Fix, (gasps) who plays Kenny Reeling, Riesling?
0: Riesling, I believe. Kenny Reeling? Might be Reeling.
1: Kenny. He plays Kenny. Plays Kenny. Kenny's back for his second episode. He actually is uh, dressed very well in this episode. I thought he wore a little suit to the debate.
0: Yeah, he's a little nerd.
1: He has a handful of acting credits. He was obviously in two episodes of Dawson's Creek. He was in the Hudsucker Proxy, Law & Order, Law & Order SVU, Boston Public, Without a Trace, Transformers, most recently a movie called A Christmas Wish in 2019. But most notably, as you brought up in his last episode, he has four episodes of One Tree Hill playing Jimmy Edwards. Do you want to yeah. talk about that?
0: That name will send chills down the spine of any One Tree Hill fan. Jimmy Edwards, they did a very chilling, chilling School Shooter episode with Jimmy Edwards. And it was very well done. And it definitely changed the course of the series because something big happens in it. His final episode is the School Shooter episode. And his first three must have been, I think, in early season one because he was kind of this kid who hung out with them. The show's about a high school basketball team, and there's a character named Mouth who does sports commentary for the team, and he was like Mouth's co-anchor doing the sports commentary. So he's in the beginning a little bit, and then he falls out for years, and then they bring him back for the shooting episode, and it is good.
1: Crazy. Yeah. It's not like be the dog eating the heart. It's like a serious.
0: Yeah, the dog eating the heart was like season like eight or nine or something. I mean, <laughs> the, show, the show changed tones, I would say. Over the course of the 10 years, this was still when it was pretty gritty and grounded and real. I want to say season four, but I don't know if that's right.
1: Well, he's a good little actor. Good I little actor. He did a good job. North Carolina-based. Makes sense.
0: So he wins president of sophomore class.
1: Yeah, doggy.
0: Because Andy and Joey pretty much drop out after they're exposed. And Pacey exposes Abby as trash-talking the whole school.
1: Pacey has a little hero moment. We'll get into it.
0: Yeah music moments
1: yeah mine might be the same as yours mine is heart and shoulder by heather nova
0: i love that
1: it's so good it came on and i was like oh my gosh i love this song it plays when jack and joey are having their conversation at the end of the episode and joey's trying to be there for jack and then it plays again when dawson and jen are together at the end of the episode and jen is trying to be there for dawson just a great great song
0: Yeah, and that was in the streaming version, which is always good. Yeah. There was a song that was not played in the streaming version, but I remember it from the original. It was called Slingshots by Morley, and that played in the scene when Pacey finds Andy after she's exposed him from the assembly. And I remember that pretty vivid. That's like a vivid scene. I remember him walking into the bathroom. And so Just vivid scene in the song. You know, I'm sure I downloaded it on like LimeWire at the time and was playing it on my MP3 player.
1: (laughs) Burned it onto CD, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. So Slingshots by Morley would be mine, I believe.
1: Do you have anything for past and present?
0: I would say I get Mitch and Gail slip up now. Their little Mm. sex slip up. They're basically having like breakup sex. And I probably thought at the time I was probably Dawson, like, oh, they're gonna get back together. I probably thought the whole episode that Mitch and Gail, they were gonna inch closer to getting back together and now it's just it is what it is. Yeah. I was very naive as a teenager.
1: <laughs> I think we all were.
0: Not Jen. Not Jen Lindley. <laughs> not Abby Morgan.
1: <laughs> Abby Morgan's a hot mess. I don't really have anything for past first present. The only thing I remember is like feeling very Scared isn't the right word, but like high anxiety, like tight chested in the scene in the bathroom when Andy was having a hard time. She like threw the thing at the mirror and broke the mirror. Like, I just remember her storyline really feeling like anxiety inducing for me because it was like we were saying last episode, there weren't as many conversations around mental health and like all that stuff. So it was like, what's going on? I don't know. Like, and now I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, she's just having a little minty b.
0: Yeah. I touched on it a little bit last week, but I didn't want to spoil. Last week we were talking about it in the context of her mom. Yeah. This week, we could talk about it in the context of Andy, where I feel like teenagers watching this, watching a mental health anxiety storyline or a character who struggles with those things, that's much more relatable for teens now. For us, it was just more like we were watching... I mean, I don't, or does that sound ignorant? I mean, maybe kids were going through that at our age, but I don't think it was this common.
1: No, I think they were, but I think it was just not at, talked about and not Diagnosed a name and... wasn't put to it. So you didn't really, couldn't, couldn't understand it as clearly.
0: I just think it's, it's more relatable to a larger group of people now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Teens
0: with anxiety, you know.
1: For sure.
0: Let's open it up.
1: Open it up.
0: What do I want to talk about this week?
1: Well, the very first thing I wrote down is I hate Dawson and I don't know what context it's in, but it bears He's repeating. Really
0: just awful. It is an awful era for him.
1: It is not good. But I do like that we're entering the Dawson Gen friendship era. I like mm-hmm. they're like finally settling in to like getting past the weirdness of the previous relationship. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I liked when Andy came up to Joey in the morning before school to approach her about being her running mate in her usual Andy way. And Joey said, it's 730 in the morning. Cheer down, like not cheer up, cheer down. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And he was like, I had an epiphany, like you should be my running mate. And Joey was like, and it's a little early for epiphanies, Andy. (laughs)
1: Like,
0: Joey, cheer up. Okay, you're alive. You're She's alive. like the
1: least student government person ever, Joey. She's like a truck driver, almost. Grouchy old man.
0: Her fashion has not been fashioning.
1: No. High neck t-shirts, I feel like. A lot of like <laughs> tight necks.
0: I would vote for Indian Joey, obviously. I think
1: that, but also realistically looking at it, am I go for Kenny?
0: No, you wouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> now you would. Now we would vote for Kenny, but back then
1: Because nobody liked him.
0: I mean, they all said he had like no chance and he's the nerd. And when Jack's trying to convince Joey to be Andy's running mate, he says, like, Kenny has no chance. Like help Andy win. Like it's your civic duty.
1: Yeah, you're right. I probably would vote for Andy.
0: Props to Meredith Monroe with all this crying.
1: God. Tons of crying.
0: She's good.
1: I thought the scene in the debate was really, really good. The yeah. her acting.
0: Yeah. Abby's just You know destroying her just like ripping into her and she's looking around everyone's taking in the information and she's just sobbing sobbing sobbing
1: this is the episode for me where abby goes from being unlikable to being like unbearable like she just completely crosses a line in a way that like she's been not a good person up until now, but now you're like, oh my gosh, I actually kind of hate this person.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they she was brutal in this episode.
1: She was. She and that's what oh last episode you were talking about, the guidance coun we we touched on the guidance counselor who was telling Pacey that he's not going anywhere in life. And that guidance yeah. counselor is back and he's the one kind of moderating <laughs> the debate. And he does not step in. He lets Abby go for a long time before he steps in. And last episode, you brought up that he might be drunk. And I think that you're right because he was very sweaty in this episode, very red-faced, and just not caring at all that Abby is just telling, like, Abby tells all the student body that Andy's mom killed Andy's brother in a car cr- it's just a lot yeah <laughs> and he's like whoa hold on Abby that's enough like after five minutes
0: Abby's dialogue I mean Monica Kena delivers it amazingly and I love the script and I wouldn't change it at all but Abby delivers the most like overly written insane dialogue no one would ever use <laughs> I recently got word that Andy's mother, <laughs> Mrs. McPhee, is one mental breakdown away from being, you know,
1: needing <laughs> uh, uh, electrotherapy. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> like she really painted a picture as she does, and then she brought up Andy's yeah dead brother, which it feels pretty nuts. But that Abby Morgan,
1: she'll get she's you. She's a
0: villain. She's a villain.
1: I loved. Her and Chris come into the Ice House late night one night to talk about their campaign. And she has a little back and forth with Joey, where she's just being the literal worst to Joey. What is she saying? I don't even remember.
0: She says that the food is terrible. The only reason they're there is because they don't want to get seen. And everyone hates the restaurant. So you're not going to run into anyone there. She says, what's one more disappointment in an already meager existence? Like, haven't you and your family embarrassed yourselves enough in this town? You're trash, you take the trash out, you don't vote it in.
1: Yeah, brutal. So <laughs> Joey is holding a pitcher of water that she's going to bring over to the table and she just dumps it on Abby's head. And it is such a satisfying moment. And that's what gets Joey to turn and be like, okay, I'm going to run with Andy. I loved that moment.
0: You kind of saw it coming, but yeah.
1: Totally. But also it, in that moment, you realize that Abby is completely full of it cuz I feel like if she if she had any anything to back up her words she would have punched Joey in the face.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. She's all bark. But another thing that Abby says which is amazing over the PA system at the end she says this elections is locked up as Joey's father. Yeah. <laughs> and then so Andy and Joey are giving their speech after Abby's speech and she says if she lets go of the PA button but then she says the cuckoo bird and the convict's daughter up next. She's just firing on all cylinders, and she looks insane in that scene. Insane. She looks like a prostitute, <laughs> and the makeup, like,
1: and the dress.
0: Yeah, and her hair is like in like Shirley Temple curls.
1: Yeah, it is
0: wild. What a choice. Maybe that was our director using his
1: his his costume design. <laughs>
0: oh, costume! I thought it was hair and makeup. Yeah, she has bright red lipstick on blue eyeshadow she looks criminally insane
1: this dishwasher scene is really hot why
0: don't you talk about it (laughs) paint a picture
1: so gail asks mitch to come over to fix the dishwasher he has it like out of the wall he says he fixed it he tells her to turn it on and it just starts spraying everywhere and of course mitch is in a white t-shirt so it's basically like a wet t-shirt contest for mitch his pecs are popping he takes his shirt off and she's like, look at you, you're drenched. And he takes the shirt off and he's like, you're drenched too. And like starts wringing his shirt onto her. And then she starts to like wipe him down with a towel and they lock eyes and it's on. But both of their bodies are amazing.
0: Yes, very fit. Good for them. And it reminded me of season one when Dawson walks in and sees them on the table. yeah. Did you notice the fruit bowls in this scene? Okay. <laughs> I didn't. So are they just they,
1: as full as last episode? They knock,
0: they knock over a bowl of apples when he clears the he clears the kitchen island with her like ass or her foot or something. And then they spread out on the kitchen table, which is I think it's a bowl of grapes, but I think they're like decorative grapes. Because no one has that many grapes. <laughs>
1: I'll be sure to keep an eye out next time.
0: That scene was hot. So Mitch is handy. That's a, it's, it's canon. He's been fixing cars. We've seen him do everything.
1: We've seen him sand boats.
0: We've seen him board up a house for a hurricane.
1: Thank God he's handy because he's not bringing much else to the table. He's just leeching off a gale, living <laughs> in a giant loft.
0: Oh my God, him in that loft. But it is so weird watching. We've talked about it. The fashion is not as outdated as it would have been like three years ago. Oh, for sure, are kind of back, and it's weird. I'd say Dawson's are the least back, but
1: I don't know if Dawson's were ever in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I did notice when Mitch started getting hit with the water. This might be a little good back uh, behind the scenes production moment. So, the department that would take care of something like that, the water, is uh, the special effects department, where they go in and they. Well, usually, offsite or in their office, they would come up with the rig that's going to spray water and they'll have it, you know, remote controlled or they'll have it rigged something that runs offset or whatever the case may be. And so, when the director signals them, they're going to start the water, but so they usually go through it a few times without the water. So, if anyone ever wanted to know what the special effects department does, they do like practical contraptions and things like that things that need to fall, break, squirt, shoot, yeah, et cetera. But anyway, I know that they probably told John Wesley Ship to sit there for a minute, let the water hit him for a minute, get the wet t-shirt contest vibe, because he definitely doesn't react like a normal person would get in splash <laughs> with water. Like your first instinct would be to jump or run, and he lets it kind of. But it was a hot scene. Yeah.
1: Sure was.
0: Gail is not a strong, independent woman. She <laughs> relies on a man.
1: But she also wants him back. So any excuse to get him over.
0: Yeah. She probably broke that dishwasher herself. <laughs> she gets served divorce papers, and she seems Gail seems at peace. She does. I think she's. I think she's accepted it.
1: I think Dawson's the only one who hasn't accepted it.
0: Yeah. Did you have something else, Gail and Mitch?
1: And the only other thing I had was Mitch. Dawson goes to Mitch's loft later in the episode. And mitch is restoring a chair that he found in the yeah. trash but it's a really nice chair it, i was like good nice for chair. you mitch way to save that chair
0: and we love that loft
1: we love that loft we love him being a thrifty queen
0: <laughs> thrifty king <laughs> uh okay so after that scene he finds out his mom got served divorce papers and after that scene he goes over jen's house Jen is sitting on her kitchen floor in front of the sink reading and drinking coffee out of a mug.
1: It's very random. Why
0: is she sitting crisscross applesauce on her kitchen floor with her back up against the cupboards?
1: I have no idea. But I don't, uh, something I noticed throughout this entire episode and the last episode, Jen and Dawson have a weirdly touchy relationship. Like they're just friends, but early in this episode, she's like playing with his hair while she's talking to him. And last episode, when he was pulling her out of the party, they were hugging and he like kept putting his lips on her forehead. Like he wasn't kissing her, but he was like, I don't know. There's like a weird intimacy there. And I guess they are exes. So maybe that's where it stems from. But I was just like, why are you running your fingers through his hair? I don't understand what's going on. I would never do that to my friends.
0: I wonder if that was like a Michelle and James. They were just like close, you know, versus a character thing. Maybe they just, yeah, the scene at the end when she's comforting him is very intimate. I know they're exes, like you said, but I don't know. I don't even talk to mine. I blocked them all.
1: (laughs) You're not running your fingers through their hair.
0: Be gone, witch.
1: (laughs) They also, in another awkward thing, they also looked like twins when they were skinny dipping. (laughs) They have like the same haircut, the same coloring. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah
1: it funny to me
0: do you think they have good chemistry
1: i didn't when they were a couple yeah so
0: i didn't think so season one but i definitely think they i don't know if it's jen's new haircut or jen's new edgier personality she just seems like you know less bland because
1: she's also more genuine this season so maybe that's she's her, part of it she's
0: her true self yeah that's yeah that's a better way of saying what i was trying to say like i don't know i don't know what it is but i think they have more chemistry this season than last season they go skinny dipping which did you go skinny dipping as a teenager no yeah
1: i don't think i've ever been skinny dipping
0: in this episode she's trying to get him to get more of a teenage point of view to write a script so you know she has him do these things, but I didn't. I've never done any of the things that she said to do. I've never skinned as a teenager. I didn't skinny dip, toilet paper a house, steal anything, or skip school. I mean, I stayed home from school, but I didn't like leave school or or skip school to hang out with friends.
1: Yeah, she, her quote was, "In order to write about being a teenager, you have to actually experience being one." And she tries to convince him to do all these things. I mean, I definitely stole makeup as a teenager, which is not. Something that I'm proud of, but definitely did it. But yeah, I did not skinny dip. I did not skip school. I mean, we toilet papered houses on... <laughs> Do you have mischief night or like devil's night or whatever?
0: I guess our town does now, but I, I don't think we did then. if we did, I didn't know about it.
1: It is the night before Halloween. Mm-hmm. Is like a thing where people go out and they throw eggs on they toilet paper. And the big one in my town was spraying shaving cream under car door handles. So when you went to open your car in the morning, there was like shaving cream, like very harmless stuff.
0: Yeah, more more practical jokes.
1: Cranky stuff, yeah. But anyway. I was just
0: curious because I was like, Jennifer, I have not done any of these
1: things. And they're also not being very discreet about stealing the lipstick. She's talking in pretty much a full voice in the store while holding the lipstick about Dawson stealing the lipstick. Get out of town.
0: Shen Lindley, you bad
1: girl. Speaking of that scene, I noticed at around 15 minutes, 58 seconds-ish, after they left the store and they're walking down the street, they're walking past a bank of stores. Mm-hmm. And in the reflection of the glass storefront of one of the stores, you can see the boom mic that they <laughs> used on set.
0: I love that that happens. I did not notice. I'm so glad you pointed that out.
1: Yeah, that's a big part of my job now, like all reflective surfaces checking to make sure you can't see crew because it's something that'll get called out now that we're living in the world of HD and UHD and much better quality picture than we were back then. So it's something that I notice a lot when I'm watching other shows. And the funniest one to me that I've seen in the last like 10 years was the pilot of, I think it's the pilot of Breaking Bad, definitely season one. When Walter White is wearing his gas mask, he's in the desert and it's a close up of his face and he's supposed to be like doing something in front of him. But if you look in the reflection of his gas mask, you just see the entire crew, like the cameraman, the sound man, It's <laughs> just never cleaned it up.
0: It's crazy just how you can see something over and over and over. Like, remember a few years ago, that Starbucks cup that was in Game of Thrones. Yeah. I mean, your guys's job as a post-production department is to just watch cuts and do all the editing and sound every, like sound mixes Everything. and all these things. And you could still see that footage all that time and not see it.
1: I watch any given episode of a show that I'm working on between 50 and 100 times. And that's not unique to me. Anyone in my position will do the same. And these things still get by. It's like crazy what your brain just tunes out.
0: Yeah. And it's common. I mean, if you go to any wiki, like Dawson's Creek oh, wiki yeah. or... There's a section for every episode like goofs. Yeah, these things just get by. What can you do?
1: We're finally seeing James Vanderbeek's body a little bit.
0: You yeah. were just saying last episode that he hasn't shown his body and now he showed it all.
1: He's not wearing his gigantic t-shirt and <laughs> pants combo.
0: Jen convinces him to skinny dip and then he, she says, Dawson Leary, is that a tree branch or are you just happy to see me? Which like painted a weird picture. <laughs> I don't know if he is like a really skinny, I don't know.
1: Long, like uh, <laughs> naughty.
0: Crooked.
1: The amount of flyers in the bathroom when Pacey goes in to find Andy is wild. Did you wild. notice it? Yes. It's like, vote for Melissa, vote for Jennifer. And I'm like, who are yeah. these people?
0: Well, they're the other class president. People yeah, running. sure,
1: sure. But there were like 50 of them.
0: Yeah, it was wild. In that scene, he finds her right after the assembly and he's talking her down and she's having a mental breakdown. And she's she's stuttering and rambling and stammering and pacing. And she's just saying, you know, she's embarrassed. And the quote is, everyone comes from a dysfunctional family. It's the 90s. And then she says, you know, like, I really wanted a clean campaign. What has happened to politics? And her quote is, we've become such a lessened society. And I love that.
1: And she says, I don't think it's in that scene, but in a different scene, she says, make government safe again.
0: (gasps) Did you notice that? No. Yeah. Way ahead of her time. I bet they stole the slogan from this.
1: I can almost guarantee it.
0: Yeah. Pacey's having his hero moment. Pacey's getting scared for her, I think, because Joshua Jackson, the full kind of space was really good. She's spiraling. Jack convinces her to go back in her meds. So she's on meds.
1: And good for him for speaking up. Yeah, you could tell she wasn't that into hearing it, and he wasn't that into saying it. But ultimately, she she took his advice and went back on her meds. And it's not shocking at all to me that Andy McPhee is a horse girl. Did you notice that her mug had horses <laughs> all over it?
0: <laughs> no, oh, well, did amazing.
1: I know you love an extra moment. Did you yeah. notice that there's an old man sitting in the background? Of the scene where they're making the announcements over the PA, just reading from a clipboard. He never interacts with them. He (laughs) never reacts with them. Who is that man?
0: I did notice it. The guy is standing by Kenny.
1: He's sitting behind them all on a couch. Do you see him? (laughs) Yeah. What is he doing? Oh my
0: God. (laughs) Why is he there?
1: I don't know.
0: He's not even in a suit. Like, he doesn't even look like a teacher. (laughs) And I love how in that scene they cut to Dawson and Jen, lab partners, dissecting a frog. I know. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's funny. What is that guy doing?
1: I don't know, but he's suspect.
0: Sus, as the kids say.
1: He's sus.
0: He's got weird riz.
1: (laughs) He's got no riz.
0: He is low-key sus riz.
1: He's got sussy riz, my guy. (laughs) My guy. I think that's all I had.
0: The only other thing I could really think of is when at the end of episode 205, Dawson gets bad news from his parents and he kind of breaks down in Joey's arms on his roof and she holds him. And then it just kind of reminded me of the scene at the end of this one where he gets bad news about his parents that the divorce papers are served and he goes to Jen's and cries in her arms. Kind of a similar bookendy kind of moment. Parallel. Parallel. Dawson turns to the women in his life for comfort as we've seen
1: he sure does he <laughs> sure does
0: remember when he found out his mom was having an affair and Jen was just like so what Dawson people have affairs and then Joey was like I knew <laughs> and then he went back to Jed he was like Joey knew you're my runner-up I need to talk to you anyway
1: and jen was like hey dawson i know you're going through a hard time but i'd really like to be there for you and i'd really like to be your friend and i'd really like to be the one you come to and everyone's like jen read the room (laughs) and he's like crying
0: Uh, yeah 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 dawson's very in touch with his emotions something that i just read here in the trivia section dawson and jen toilet paper mr milo's house before they go skinny dipping. So, Mr. Milo is the guy who's like verbally abusive to Pacey last episode and <laughs> uh-huh. lets Andy get verbally abused in front of the entire school.
1: That's funny.
0: So, he did get a little bit of a comeuppance. He got EP'd.
1: Funny.
0: There was a funny little moment when uh, Andy's getting exposed at the assembly. Like Dawson turns to Jen and he's like, No way. <laughs> it's funny. Well, that's all I got.
1: Creek speak.
0: So, this Creek speak comes from read it somewhere via Instagram. I love Back to You, Bob. The hosts are so funny, make me actually care about what's going on in the world of Dawson's Creek, even though I've never watched an episode. The only rewatched podcast in my queue. Oh, they're nice.
1: That is nice.
0: Dawson's Draft. The category is best couple, <laughs> which it's about to get real. So you are going first this time, I believe.
1: Yes, I am. I don't think it's going to be a shocker. I'm going to have to give it to Pacey and Joey. I've just always been my favorite to the point that I started a podcast to fight you about how they're the best. So I will take Pacey and Joey.
0: I believe a lot of people will agree with you. So you know how I feel about giving new shows like the top spots because I feel like they have to like stand the test of time. You know, we're still talking Mm -hmm. about Dawson's Creek 25 years later and one tree hill and all of these shows so will we be talking about them in 25 years i don't know however i'm going to give best couple to jack and rebecca pearson Mm. because i just think they're a great couple aside from being parents and they're i was just so invested in that show i mean i would cry every week and i love them as a couple
1: it was so good they were a good team so good i mean they adopted a newborn child on the spot I just love them. In following suit with you, I am also going to pick one of my best parents' picks with Eric and Tammy Taylor. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I love Eric and Tammy as parents. I love Eric and Tammy as people in a relationship. I love Eric and Tammy as their own individual people. I just love everything about them. I think that they're wonderful. I think that they are a fantastic team, and I just love them.
0: I love that. So this number two pick is, it's just kind of funny because I love them, but I kind of never realized how much until this rewatch. So I'm going to pick Pacey and Andy Hmm. because just some of their moments are really burned into my brain in the songs and the stories. And I think they're a great couple.
1: Cute and unexpected.
0: She elevates him. He lowers her down in a good way, calms her down, levels her out, I should say. And I think they're perfect.
1: Sorry. I am going to pick Seth and Summer from the OC. Mm, I think they're a good couple. I think similar to what you just said, they even each other out in like a very good way. She started the series as just kind of this like flighty, vapid, mean girl kind of character. And he was a nerdy sidekick kind of character. And in the end, like she's actually really smart and grounded and all of these things that I think he helped to bring out in her and she helped get him out of his shell. And I don't know, I just think they're great. And they had they had uh, some trials, but ultimately they were a strong couple.
0: My number three, I'm going to pick Derek and Meredith from Grey's Anatomy.
1: Ah, they were on my list too.
0: And it's not that I like loved them or rooted for them. I did, but not in a way that I rooted for my first two, but it's like the rewatchability of their good moments. Like I'll just go on YouTube and I'll just watch the scene of like Derek dying or the scene (laughs) where she's like, pick me, love me, choose me, or like the post-it when they got married in the post-it or when he built the house out of candles. So it's more in retrospect, I watch their, their moments stick out in my head and sometimes I just feel like watching those moments. So I'll just, you know, find them instead of watching
1: the whole episode. I'm with you. I think they're a good pick. I think I'm going to pick Randall and Beth from This Is Us. I think that they are such a strong couple. They've been through a lot. They are both equally where like some couples, like we were saying, like Pacey and Andy, Seth and Summer, they like even each other out. I think Randall and Beth are coming to the table both pretty strong. There's obviously a give and take and there's like one has strengths and the other where the other has a weakness, but they're both very strong and strike me as independent and I just feel like they choose each other. Like they continually choose to be with each other through the hard times. They brought in a foster kid, like they. I don't know. I just think that they're really good partners. I just love them. I think they're great.
0: That's what I was gonna say. Like they're very good at communicating and fighting and making up and yeah. They're great. R and B as they're known on Twitter X. That's a great pick. My fourth couple, I have to give it to Olivia and Fitz from Scandal, and this is off-brand for me because their relationship was born of adultery, and he is cheating and married. So, like, that's very off-brand for me. I'm usually like not into that, or it's, it's hard for me to root for people who are getting together that way. But I think it's like the on-screen chemistry more than like the writing. But their chemistry together is just it transcended my morals that I pro- <laughs> my morals that I project onto fictional characters, which is normal.
1: There is a level of hotness that can make you throw everything out the window.
0: Yeah. So that's (laughs) what it is.
1: My last pick. I'm also going to go off of the teen shows for a moment because this is my favorite show of all time, I think. And this relationship, though it was short-lived, is burned into my brain. It actually wasn't even ever a relationship officially. But I'm going to pick Fleabag and Hot Priest.
0: Wow, that is, yeah, that's a curveball.
1: The second season of that show is one of my favorite things of all time. The entire show is so good. The second season makes me want to, like it inspires me to create things. I think that show is so good. I think their chemistry was so good. The story is heartbreaking. I just love it. I just love it.
0: I agree about their on-screen chemistry. I do need to rewatch that season because I know it's very critically acclaimed. And I just want to watch it again so I get the full scope.
1: You should. It's so good.
0: Any type of priest thing is hot. Forbidden. Forbidden a romance. My fifth pick is like nuts. So I. it's more <laughs> the principle. I have to pick Donna and David from mm-hmm. now. So 90210 in general is a product of the time that it was made in. Then it came out, I believe, in like 1990 and went straight to like 2001 or whatever. They would do like the craziest stuff to each other. Like I think David like conned Donna out of money at some point. And he he broke up with her because she wouldn't have sex with him, which is wild. Like no lead. Like you wouldn't root for a couple that did that now. They get back together and then he cheats on her because she still won't have sex with him. And he just wants to have sex. And then, yeah, like at one point he cons her out of money or something like that. (laughs) But so I'm like, they used to do crazy shit to each other on that show, but I was always rooting for Donna and David and there were some really great moments. And then I'm 99.9% sure they get married in the series finale. So it just was like a journey and rough journey for them, but I was rooting for them and they're cute and like original cast members who stayed on the whole time and I have to go with them.
1: All right. I have to just give one honorable mention, which I didn't feel right picking because they're on a comedy, half hour comedy, but I would give it to Jim and Pam as well from The Office. I just love them as a couple. I think that their story is really cute. And I think ultimately when they are together, they have their flaws, but they are in it and they work through everything that they come up against. And I think that they're a good couple.
0: Yeah, they're great. We tend to lean towards hour-longs, but if we were including half-hours, we would include them. So mine are Jack and Rebecca Pearson, Pacey and Andy from Dawson's Creek, Derek and Meredith from Grey's Anatomy, Olivia and Fitz from Scandal, and Donna and David from 90210.
1: Mine are Pacey and Joey from Dawson's Creek, Eric and Tammy from Friday Night Lights Seth and Summer from The O.C., Randall and Beth from This Is Us, and Fleabag and Hot Priest from Fleabag.
0: Yeah, I think you definitely win that one. I don't even think it's close. But I just like weird, like, no, I don't know. No one's going to pick Pacey and Andy. as like their favorite couple. I just have weird
1: tastes. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all for this week.
0: So what is our drink for next week's episode, episode 210, High Risk Behavior?
1: Next week, we will be drinking a personal favorite of mine, The Naked and Famous. You will need Mezcal, Aperol, yellow chartreuse, and fresh lime juice. Very delicious.
0: I'm excited for that one.
1: All right. We'll see you guys next week.
0: Next time. All right.
1: Bye. Bye. <laughs>